Welcome to Impact the World, the show for and about creatives, changemakers, and entrepreneurs. This is a conversation episode where a special guest shares with me what they are creating and the behind the scenes journey of their experience. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Impact the World. And my guest today is Chris Assad. And this is an episode that really takes a deep dive into creativity, the creative process, and how it is a healing journey for us. Chris knows this all too well. He is a Canadian artist, writer, singer, songwriter. He has many different offerings online, including his online course, Follow Your Art, which helps empower all of us to take a creative journey in our life and to bring creativity into our life. And also Chris has just released his latest musical album called Lion, and it's a gorgeous album. Chris and I are friends, so it was a real pleasure to get to talk to him for this conversation. And for those of you who enjoy these shows and episodes, please do head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate and review because it's the best way that you can support us and the show and we really appreciate it. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that we are about to begin my flagship annual course, Rebirth. It begins on January 19th and runs through to the 29th. So you can join anytime in that window. It's six live classes and I will be channeling my guides, the Z's, and leading you deeply into your work and your life here as a creator. We can't wait to get started and we'll put a full trailer at the end. But if you wanted to check it out, you can go to rebirth2021.com. We hope to see you there. Chris, thank you so much for being here, brother. Thank you for having me. What a joy to be with you in virtual space. Yeah, like like so many of us have had to be this year. Um, and, you know, it's funny, we were just reminiscing about when you were physically in this room with me, what, about 18 months ago, I think it was. But um, so much has happened in that time in the world and in all of our lives. But especially for you, uh, it was so fantastic for me to witness the journey that you've had as a musician and as an artist in that time, not just in the way that you're offering workshops and online services to people who want to follow their art, to quote your, quote your follow your art course, but also specifically your music album, Lion, which is gorgeous. And we're going to talk about it um, a little bit more today, but it's, it's really great to have you here. So thank you for saying yes. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Yes. Heart. Yes. All the way. And yeah, it's always just so wonderful to be in conversation and dialogue with you. And, you know, we've shared a lot of our creative journeys in the last little while. So I feel like there's so much, so much there that, you know, is really exciting to be able to share with, uh, with the wider audience. Yeah, we've been each other's music emergency phone call on more than one occasion <laughs> when you're not sure about something or can you listen to this mix or it's, it's great. So I, you know, one of the things that I think is most interesting about you or one of the stories I first learned about you is that you had a very famous 
quote go around the internet several years ago. And I'm, I'm going to read that quote now. Um, the quote is, close your eyes and imagine the best version of you possible. That's who you really are. Now, let go of any part of you that doesn't believe it. And that's on the homepage of your website. But tell us the, the origin of that quote. And it, it's kind of a really fascinating story that it kind of went off like wildfire on the internet many years ago. Yeah, it's actually become a little bit of like a cosmic joke within sort of my inner circle because it's probably the one thing that I've created that's really traveled and rippled the farthest. And so the way that it originated was actually just, it was a message to myself. It was something that I, you know, I don't recall specifically if it came up in a journal entry or if I was, you know, but it was, it was, it probably was because that's usually how I write, you know, pen in hand to paper. And then I posted it on my Facebook page as a status update, which is, you know, what I often do when these little nuggets come through. It's like, okay, this feels like worthy of being shared. And when was that, Chris? Like, what year are we talking? Ooh, like, I wish you'd asked me before because I could have checked, but it was probably somewhere around 2016, maybe. Right. Okay. I, yeah. I believe. I, I went back to the original post. It's funny too, because the original post had like seven likes. It was like not that many people saw it. And then what started to happen was these memes started popping up. These, you know, these quote cards that people create. And the first one that anyone created from this quote said, see Assad. So a lot of people didn't even necessarily link it back to me. It didn't really, really get attributed to me specifically. I'd had a lot of people would say, oh, I just saw this quote. Was that yours? Like, did you write that? And I was like, oh, yeah. And so this has continued on to this day. I still will get notifications where someone has posted. If you Google it, you'll see like tons of different images. Someone actually had these words tattooed on their body. Wow. Um, and somebody did like a carving of it. It's on a mug. So it's like, the funny thing is just that, you know, a lot of times we create things and we want them to reach a lot of people. And when we're in that sort of really intentional mindset, often, you know, things don't go the way that we planned. And so this was like a really powerful just reminder for me that when you're creating for your own healing, when you're creating for your own, you know, nourishment and fulfillment, and then just allowing that to be shared, it really does have the potential to, to ripple out in a way that you would never have expected. And yeah, I mean, this, this, these few words, these few sentences have been shared many, many times and from very unlikely sources too. Just really always fascinates me to see how it's just kind of making its way around. So that's essentially it. That's the story. Um, and, and, you know, the, the sort of the punchline is ultimately that now more and more it is, it is more people are tagging me and I'm finding out about it. But it doesn't even really matter. You know, like it's, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's just really, it speaks to the fact that that's something that we all go through. You know, yeah. that's a core pain point for so many creatives, sensitives, is just like really knowing our value and believing in ourselves. And I think that's why it struck a chord with so many people. It's so true. And, and, and it's funny because I feel like, and I know this from some of our personal sharing, but I was listening to Lion again, your album this morning, 
which will be out by the time this interview airs. And it's a beautiful album with so many different spiritual messages in it, which is very much the core of your work as a singer-songwriter. But the one that really kept hitting me was We Are Enough. And in fact, Grace, one of my favorite songs, you know, We Are Enough and, and that enoughness running through it. So where would you say you are right now as a creative force in the world around feeling like you're enough and, and feeling that perhaps the alignment between enough and you and your creativity. And I ask you that just because I've seen you go through a real two-year growth arc in the mm. last couple of years around your relationship to your creativity and your feeling of fulfillment around it. Mm, I really love that question. And I think what's interesting is that like, had you asked me that question a week ago, you know, the answer might have been a little different, which is really just my way of saying that it, it's an ongoing journey. It's like, I don't think that necessarily ever completely goes away. Uh, I think that's, you know, there's a process of really embodying that experience of, of knowing we're enough, knowing, you know, that we're worthy of, of good things, of blessings, of abundance, and really experiencing uh, sort of the wholeness of who we are at a soul level in our human body. And there's a couple of things. One is that we just actually filmed a music video for the song Grace. And, and what never ceases to amaze me is that whenever I really actively engage with anything that I'm creating, whether it's a song or, you know, the course that we created, Follow Your Art, there's always this sense in which I, I get to receive the medicine of that creation like one more time so that I'm really living it because I'm really committed to that. I think at a soul level, I'm really committed to, I don't want to be someone that's putting something out into the world that's not really true to like what I'm living, what I'm experiencing, what I've been through. And so I went to BC to film a music video for the song Grace with uh, a beautiful collaboration with a soul sister who connected me with the filmmaker. And the experience really brought that thing, that wound or that aspect of, of, of my own experience of myself and my work sort of back up. And I was like, oh, there that is again. Um, so that's kind of the piece of it never really going away and me just continuing to get to be in that experience of, of really honing in an experience of that wholeness. And at the same time, I can honestly say that, you know, what you are, are sort of observing, you've, you've witnessed in me has definitely, there has been a huge progression in that uh, in the last few years with this album, with this creation. And I think the biggest difference maker in that was the point at which I decided to sort of like forego the crispness of how I was doing everything and to really allow myself to be used as an instrument for something greater in a much more intentional way. So I think to some degree or another, I've always been doing that. But I think there was like a tipping point where, you know, the sort of the, the, the formed identity that had developed over many years of doing my art and making music and putting it out into the world really had to, had to die and be let go of. And that was a painful process. And it was not an easy process. I'd say 2019, 2018 were some of the most intense inner transformation years of my life. And I also recognized that they were really making space for everything that 
has come through and has emerged in my work and in my creative expression since then. And so I think when there's less of an ego having the experience of, oh, my creation, my work, then, then that to me feels like I'm closer to that, that aspect of my beingness where that wholeness remains intact. And I can actually connect to that in regards to the creation because it really came from that place more than ever before. Which makes so much sense because I think, you know, real, what I call full-bodied creativity is when you surrender yourself into the thing that you're creating, the process, the product, you know, you kind of have to strip everything down. But, you know, I, I remember talking to you several years ago and um, Trevor Hall is, is a, a singer-songwriter I've, I've loved for many, many years. And I remember you sharing with me that um, you supported Trevor on a few, a few dates on mm-hmm. his tour or a series of dates. And you said you had like an epiphany moment because on the one hand, you were really grateful to be there and you said it was a great experience. And on the other hand, you said it was this shock of supporting an artist in the same kind of genre that you, that you yourself worked in and someone you respected and being on that stage and realizing, oh, I don't know if this is actually my dream. I don't know if this yeah. format of performance and this style of performance and, and the shock that you had, because for so many years, that's what you had aspired to. I always found that very interesting because I've heard that from many creators, visionaries, people with a dream across the years. It's like we get that thing that we think we want and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this isn't quite it either. Yeah. How, how was that for you as a kind of defining moment as an artist? I definitely, I definitely see that as one of the key sort of unfoldings in that letting go process that I was describing. And as I remember it, I think there was there was an opportunity to to support Trevor a few months earlier that I'd really wanted that didn't pan out. And and so I really in that moment had to there was a level of surrender and it was in that space of surrender that then the next opportunity presented itself. And it was kind of this moment of like, oh, maybe you know, maybe that is for me. But the sort of the twist was it was it was really there that experience, I believe, showed up to really support me in getting more clear as to what it is that I really want to align to and invite in in terms of the kinds of spaces that I want to share my music in and the kind of music that I want to make even, you know, although I would definitely say Trevor is a conscious artist and his music has beautiful spiritual messages. Um, I guess it's still occurred in my listening as part of the world that I was sort of stepping away from or taking a step in a different direction. And the crazy thing too, is that the night I got back from those dates was the first night that I met Jovi, my producer. Uh, He was playing with Deva Pramal and Mitten, who I know you've had as guests on the show Mm -hmm. as well in Toronto. And I went to see them and it was like, ah, okay, this this is, you know, this might be even a little further down the spectrum than where I see myself going, but it was this beautiful devotional offering where everyone was really like, it was a ceremony. It was a musical ceremony. It was like a sacred gathering in a seated soft seat venue. Um, and there was just, there, there was that, that element of the pretense of a performance that just so encoded in like live music venues and concerts just was not there. 
And I think that was the biggest piece was like, I just felt like there was no persona. There was still that we were, we were entertained. They were funny. They were, you know, super enjoyable to watch on so many levels. And the main thing that really stood out to me was just, there's no filter. There's just like, there's no persona. This is just like these, all these musicians and these artists are just like purely being available for this transmission to come through them. And, and, you know, that's so present in the kind of music that they make. And so I think the challenge, the invitation is, can, can we operate from that place when we're doing something that isn't mantra or like super spiritual or devotional, but that still has that same intention and essence. And that's what I've been, you know, really striving to, to welcome into my creative flow. Which is interesting. So basically, when I hear you say that, what I what I hear or how I interpret it is they remove the separation. You know, there's the, you know, because yes. there is a separate there's a separation with performance, whether it's the curtain coming down or the bow at the end and the the distance between the artists and the audience. You know, whatever performance it is, we've all grown up with those kinds of conventions being more the norm than what you're describing, you know, with say David and Maten, who consciously removed the performance aspect. Mm. But what, what struck me and what you just said is it got you questioning as to, okay, well, how can I do this differently or bring more of this in differently? And before we speak about making the music itself and making the album with Joby, what I loved is what you have been doing in recent months before the album releases, because we're recording this at the end of October, the album comes out in November. So like I said, it will already be available when people get the show. But you did a really cool thing around gifting songs to people in a very conscious, very engaged way, which I thought was brilliant and different. And I remember sharing the link with some of our community and everybody loved it from the comments. So can you share with us what it was that you, you did there? Well, the one thing I just want to pick up on that you said before fully answering that question is it really did come down to the oneness piece. I think when I when I really asked myself, what do, what do I want to be an instrument for? The, the two things that came up were pure love and oneness. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where that separation piece that was sort of embedded in that paradigm just didn't feel right to me. You know, it just didn't it didn't align to the, to the ultimate intention, which is that I've always wanted to empower other people to use their voice, to create, to follow their heart and their artistic inspirations. And so even the presentation had to it, it somehow encompass that. Hmm. So I just love that you really keyed in on that because I, I really feel like that's the essence of it. Um, and so with the gifting, it was sort of a, a progression of, and, and this actually comes back to you because I remember having mastered the record, finished the, the record, but there was still a couple of things that I wasn't quite ready to, to sign off on. And it was going to be a little while before I was going to get the opportunity to, you know, sign off on it with Joby and have him make the changes. And you said, well, why don't you just share it with a few people who you're close to? just so that you can kind of like start letting that energy move. And I was like, yeah, that actually, I, I sat with it and that felt really good to me. That felt like really expansive. And so I remember I shared it with you. I shared it with a few close friends. And I started having this really beautiful experience of 
first of all, giving that gift to my artist of the really incremental, slow, which, you know, like Julia Cameron will advocate this, like really nourishing the inner artist and not sharing something too soon before we're ready, which I've definitely been guilty of in the past. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, it's ready. Like, let me just and share it with the wrong people and share it with the people that are most likely to criticize it. (laughs) So there was this kind of, there's kind of like revelation of, wow, this feels like I'm building strength and I'm allowing this creation to like kind of plant roots you know, to deepen its roots within my circles and my immediate community. And so that was the first sort of spark. And then the next evolution was in the way that people were receiving it, I really got that I was giving them a gift. Like I really got that I've been gifted by this creation, the way that it moved through me and my experience of making it was really a gift to me. It was, it was so much for my own healing. And we can talk about that more later. And so that started to inform the way that I was giving it to them because so often, and I've, again, I've been guilty of this and I've been on the receiving end of this. And this speaks to that old paradigm. Artists give people music and it's like this, please listen to my music, you know, and there's this Mm -hmm. expectation of, I like support it, you know, love it. And, and, and it's like, it, it has that wound of not enoughness, just like encoded in the exchange. Like we're looking for people to validate our creation our creative expression. And that really felt like old to me. And it was like, I don't really want to do that anymore. And and this creation is really showing me something different. So that sort of sparked the idea of like, okay, well, I'm going to really give this to people as a gift. And I'm going to tell them that I don't want anything from them when I give it to them. Like, please don't feel like you have to give any feedback, like just receive it as a gift. And it was so amazing to see people just like, ah, oh, like this like softening of like, what? and some people would even say like, wow, that feels so good to just receive, you know, you offering this in that way, because so often we are being like, there's this urgency of you have to listen to this and I need to, you need to give me feedback. Well, and Chris, if I may just jump in for anyone who isn't, you know, wasn't privy to you doing this just to give context you are specifically giving people the choice of which song they received. So, you, you know, you had this beautiful web page and you, you spoke about the songs and what each song was medicine for. So this one is for self-esteem or this one is for self-love. So I, as the, the receiver, could come to this web page and then I had to email you and say, I would like the song called Grace because that's my area. So then you would send that one song. So I think there's also something beautifully conscious about connecting with the energy of what the song is about. And also one song Mm. is very different to a whole album. You know, you really have a relationship with it. So I think that was the brilliance in what you did too. And and how it showed up in the way people received it. Yeah, so that actually was the next evolution, which I was going to get to. So you were sort of part of the first wave. But so what actually ended up happening was when all the sort of, stuff hit the fan in the world, you know, and things kind of got crazy, which was a few weeks after your, your event in Toronto. That was the last time we were in a physical space with, we with saw people. Each other. That was like right. uh, end of February. I th- want to say it was like, Mar- oh, you're right. It was like March 6th or something. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, I had already been gifting the whole album to people in my circle. And then when things kind of got crazy, some of those people started reaching out to me saying, 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but your music is really, really relevant to what's going on right now. And I don't know what your plans are, but you need to start sharing this music like now. And of course, I was like, whoa, like, I'm not ready to do that. I need, you know, I need more time. I need months. And that's sort of when I really got still. Um, and we were just about to launch Follow Your Art. And I was like, okay, this isn't the right time for that. So I just, you know, I, I went back to the drawing board and I got very still for several days. I just kept sitting in the question, what can I do right now that's really going to help people? And, you know, what's the best way that I can show up and be of service? And, and that's when these messages started coming in. And then that's when the idea was birthed okay, I'm not ready to give people the whole album, but I would love to make one song available, a song of their choice. And I'd already had all the little descriptions of the medicine of each song. And in a way, that idea was really like whispered in my ear. Like it wasn't, I can't even say it was my idea. It was like an inspired, like nudge, like a, you know, a guided nudge of what if you gave people a choice of a menu of the songs with the medicine and the, you know, the message of each song and let them choose? And the reason that that really spoke to me was because there was so much noise happening, you know, and so much so that I, I really found myself needing to unplug from all of that. And I wanted to really support people in being able to go inward and maybe receive some of the alchemy and the medicine that music can provide without any extra you know, without anything on top. And, and it was, it was really incredible how people received it. I, I've never really felt people valuing music, my music for sure, like in that way where it was really like, this is like a healing bomb. This is medicine for what we're going through. And there was so much gratitude and such a beautiful receptivity. Um, that it really, it really affirms that, that inspiration and that choice. So. It's so funny, isn't it? Because, you know, one of the things that you and I both share is, is that that music is medicine phrase and, and that's our experience of it. And yet as a kid who loved music and had a thirst for music and consumed music as a healing force, I would never have understood it that way. You know, I, I knew that music made me feel better enough to go to it and to listen to it, you know, for hours on end. And, you know, especially in my teenage years, I think I developed a bond with music that was even more deeply emotional because of, you know, emotional needs that we have when we're going through our teens and later, you know, you, you, you've got a lot going on. And so if music could be the balm for that. But it's interesting that only now do we really do we have more of a consciousness around seeing music as this alchemical healing mm -hmm. force? Yeah, I really see it as a remembering. Uh, I, I feel like this is something that, you know, the ancients knew that ancient, mm -hmm. you know, cultures and civilizations, this was embedded in the fabric of their culture, you know, sitting around a fire, you know, with the, you know, drum circles and just sharing music in these very, raw and and sort of collective ways as well you know there wasn't necessarily one performer it was just like mm -hmm. something that you know i i would envision tribes and communities would just gather and make music for healing purposes to you know cleanse themselves of heavier energies etc cetera, etc cetera. and so i feel like that's always been it's always been there 
And in a way, for me, it feels like a disentanglement of my infatuation with music and maybe the other stuff that, it, that you know, that, that's been part of how it's been presented and just extracting the nectar of it and really getting to the core of what is it about music that really speaks to me that has always really resonated and, and inspired and ignited something in me. And so it's like sort of, it really kind of mirrors the journey of the soul. You know, it's like we're going back to the purity. We're remembering the purity and the essence of who we are. And I feel like music is one of those tools that has the potential to bring us back to that place. And so it, it makes sense that also the way that we're engaging with music and the way that music is being created and offered is also going through that process of purification. And, and it's interesting, too, because in recent months, I've seen that language and that understanding pop up in very unexpected more popular pop artists. You know, I think it was Bill Withers recently passed away. Bill Withers was like one of my, you know, one of my musical inspirations because I think there was just something so raw and root about how he made music. And it was, you know, medicinal. Mm. And and I remember, you know, everyone, everyone, and you could possibly imagine did their tributes and their shout outs. I think it was Pharrell Williams who I believe has, you know, a finger on the pulse of these things we're talking about, even though, you know, he's very much in that world. Totally. Describe Bill Withers' music as medicinal. He said it's always been medicinal. And I was just like, wow, I've never seen anyone use that expression in regards to this music before. But it's like all the, you know, it's just we're, we're remembering. The, the, yeah. the forgetting is the... the the veil is, is being lifted from our eyes in that, in that regard. Yeah, and you see that kind of language around consciousness hitting the mainstream in a way that you yeah. have to actually, especially for those of us who live in that world mm -hmm. or think in that way or we're used to speaking and communicating in that way with each other, it's easy to forget. It's like I sometimes have to go, I would never have seen this in 2009. Like right. in 2009 what we were doing and what I was into was way more fringy than it is now. And mm -hmm. you start to see these, these words kind of these words and these concepts moving into the mainstream, which is fantastic. Yeah. And I think that's, what's really happening. I see that happening. I, I feel it in the way people are receiving the music that I'm sharing and the music that you're sharing. And, you know, I feel that in, in terms of how we're going about creating the music, that's just really, becoming the obvious and evident and necessary path. And it, it really validates artistry as a way of life, as a form of service. Like I, I read something somewhere, it was, it was a commencement speech or a graduation speech being given. And it's, it's a really long passage, which I'll definitely need to share with you. But the essence of it was that art is not meant to be entertainment. It's essential for life. Mm -hmm. It is it is medicinal, it is healing, and that is really at the core what it's about. And so I think now more than ever, those that have dedicated their lives to making art and to making music are also kind of feeling, you know, even though there's a lot of challenge around uncertainties and, you know, feeling a little discouraged about how's this all going to work because the old is collapsing, there's also this sense of possibility of like, wow, we're really going to be needed in a way that are not going to be, we are, 
we're needed. Our art and our artistry and our creative expression and our music is needed now more than ever. Yeah. So I remember very well when you were making Lion because of the messages that I got from you during that period when you and Joby were working very intently. Mm. And there are a couple of things and I'm, I'm, I'm cause you, you made Lion like 18 months ago, right? It was, it's, 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 it feels like it was 15 months ago, 15 months ago, last summer. not this yeah, past summer. But that's this right. Summer. Last summer. So you shared a couple of things with me around that time. And I want to make sure I remember them correctly. And you can correct me if I don't. Mm -hmm. But I remember you saying two things that hit me. Number one, you talked about the freedom that you found as a singer, because you said you really for the for the first time at, at a, an all new level, you just held an intention before you did that vocal before you did that vocal before you were in the booth, you held an intention and that really changed the way your voice was coming out of your body. But equally, you shared a lot with me around your very visceral experience of it was a very different Chris making this album to the identity of the Chris who'd made the previous music and you were really aware of it and it was just this there was there was a surrender to the process like you immersed yourself mm -hmm. in the creativity at an all new level mm -hmm. correct me if I've got either of those things wrong but I wondered if you could share a little bit about how you arrived at that point because if i was listening to this or watching this show and i'm like oh that sounds good because i think you know anyone who creates or is working towards something always wants to be adding more to it or exploring more or letting more layers in mm -hmm. how did that process happen for you like how what got you there well, I really believe it was sort of like this divine orchestration. And, and I love that you're inquiring more into that because you did have it right. And yet there was so much pain. <laughs> there was so much intense alchemy that had to happen leading up to during the creative process. So I'll share sort of the key highlights. You might remember this too, that not long before I arrived at Joby's studio, I had gone to Australia to do some events around Sensitive Soul, which was the last song I put out. And that was sort of the first song in this new wave of, of, of my intention to just be used as an instrument and to create more music for the journey kind of thing. Uh, and as soon as I arrived in Australia, I lost my voice. Like inexplicably, my voice was just gone. And I was there to do these shows and I was able to do them, but it was really like confronting and a lot came up for me around you know, who am I without my voice? And, and so my voice was still very much healing when I arrived at Joby's and I'd been through quite an intense few months of just personal turmoil and turbulence. And I did not feel ready at all for, you know, to make an album or to create anything for anyone else. And so in a way, it was kind of like by necessity that I had to be, I was just so like on my knees in full surrender and I had no choice but to just, A, really make it about my own healing. Like, it was like, okay, I really need to, I don't know what this is going to become. I don't know who this is going to be for. But I've booked this time with this, you know, this amazing producer who I've been dreaming of working with. 
I'm here and I'm just going to receive the gift and the medicine of this experience for myself first and foremost. And, you know, Joby, as soon as I arrived, he said, I want you to treat this like you're on a vacation from the rest of your life. I want you to just go be, we're on retreat now. So, you know, and, and that's kind of the luxury or the gift of the way that he works, because in the past I would have done, you know, a couple of sessions a week and recorded over a span of several months. Whereas this was like, we're together for two weeks and then another week, a month later, fully just immersed in the process. So in a way, it's not like I really, you know, I didn't design it that way. I, I think the, my participation in it was just it comes back to that intention that I spoke to, which was I just want to be used as an instrument for the highest good. I want to be an instrument of love and oneness. And at the time that I really started aligning to that, I was even saying, if it's not going to be music, I'm okay with that, like whatever it is, you know. And it was like, you know, the, the message that I kept getting was, no, it is music, but it's just you making music in a different way than you've been making it in the past, which is what we were speaking about with, you know, going on tour and having that experience and then coming back and experiencing Deva and Maten and all that stuff. So I feel like the stage was set. And then, and then it was really this thing of constantly reaffirming that intention in the little moments where my ego or my critical voice would come in because a my voice wasn't at a hundred percent and it was like it almost had to be that it was coming from somewhere greater that that didn't matter um and it was so interesting because joby would say dude you sound amazing to me like i don't hear anything and i was like but my voice doesn't it feels you know and like there was so much turmoil but i just kept have to I just kept having to say, please let me just be used as an instrument. Every time I would approach the microphone or, you know, he had me playing instruments on the record that I've never played before. He would just put a drum in my hand and say, okay, this is what we're doing. And I'd just be like, I would just be, I was so in it. And I just had no choice but to just keep coming back to that mantra. And the last little thing that I'll share is the last song that I wrote for the album is called Trust and Surrender. Um, which very much connects to a lot of, you know, these themes that were really present in my life. And it was sort of this wink, you know, this, this sort of wink from above that every session we had, for some reason, he always had to open Trust and Surrender at the beginning of the session. Like there was always some new instrument that we got a file for. And so the session would always start. And that was like my mantra for the whole process was just like, I'm in full Trust and Surrender I'm just going to allow myself to be used as an instrument, however good it is. It's not my, it's not my business to be the judge. And that was really healing. That was extremely healing. And I think that's what really translated to what I shared with you in those messages of, I don't feel like I'm in the same experience of being in the creative process that I've ever been before. This feels new because it's actually less Chris or less of that old Chris and more of something that feels really ineffable that I like, that's just that I'm being blessed as it's happening and I feel more out of the way. And there was a huge emphasis too from Joby on being really grounded in, in my vocal delivery. Like mm. at times he'd say, just, I need you to be more grounded, like feet on the ground. There's a little sense that you're kind of getting, you know, your feet are kind of lifting. And so, 
I think that really came across that really translated in, in the experience and also just, you know, in, in how my, my voice was captured. It's so, it, it really does. I mean, it's, it's right there in the album. And I mean, I love the album. I love your vocals in it and I love Joby's work and I love your songwriting. And I mean, it's great, but I also, I love what you just said for a couple of reasons. I have a very good friend who recently is like trying to get her creativity off the ground and she has time and space. And so she's thinking about it a lot and has been for months. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, time and space can be the enemy. I said, you know, so it's, 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 it can be euphoric to sit there and like dream about things you're going to do. I said, but there's nothing like having your feet held to the fire and just having mm. to get on with it. I yeah. said, especially as, you know, I know I, I was so self-judgmental. Um, both as a person and as a creator for many years. And one of the gifts of just constantly creating and creating to order and on a schedule is you don't have time. Like you, you don't have time to get all up in the weeds, but you also, I think you said something that I think we have to remember, which is what we're creating when we want to share our creation with the world. It isn't always going to be fast. Mm -hmm. Like I've learned that lesson that there are songs on albums I've put out that were always the ones that I was like, oh God, we should have mixed that more. We didn't, I wish I'd just changed a few lyrics. We didn't really take the time with the vocals and it will be the song that people say to me, God, I love that song and I've listened to it a lot. So mm -hmm. we don't really know how what we're creating is being received. And I think if we try and micromanage that, mm -hmm. we get into all kinds of trouble. Whereas if we just get in the flow and let it come through us and be in the journey of the creation and like you said trust and surrender to the outcome not just what our creation turns out like but also how people receive it that we might never conceive of i think there's got to be that element of mystery when you're a creative or a creator and you have to surrender to the outcome because you can't control those outcomes and if you do you really feel it in the work you can tell when yeah. something's too tightly controlled too tightly it doesn't have life. Yeah, and I would I would just add that in a way, I think that is the thing that's most for us, you know? So it's like the us that wants to be perfectionist and micromanage, and that's not really us. So when mm -hmm. we're satisfying that voice, that's not really the thing that's going to resonate and have the most life in it. And, and you're absolutely right. That was such a blessing of there wasn't time for me to engage in that. And that was a big part of why I just kept having to be in trust and surrender. There was so many ways that I would be in the past or, or, you know, if I had the time, I would have sunk my teeth into that micromanagement. And, you know, the sort of irony of it is that that was also the most healing thing for me to experience. So it's like that I got served by that. And then also the creation is less, is less tainted by that, by that extra sort of hands-on that isn't really making it any better for who it's going to actually serve in the end. It's just making it better for something in me that, that really just needs to heal. Yeah. So speaking of the art of art, Chris, mm. tell us about Follow Your Art. What is it and why did you create it? Well, Follow Your Art is a five-week journey through the creative process, through the ins and outs. I would call it like a map for anyone who wants to embark on the creative process that is the, 
distilling down of all the things like what we just talked about that I've sort of witnessed in my own journey, discovered along the way that can sometimes get in the way of the joy and fulfillment that are inherently a part of why most of us lean into wanting to create anything in the first place, because it usually starts with some pure inspiration, some pure spark. And then the deeper we go, the more we realize, oh, this is actually also going to be a healing journey. And I'm going to learn a lot about things about myself that maybe I didn't really know or didn't see were there. And so really creating that context for the creative journey and offering people a container in which they can navigate that alongside others and also where I can share what I've learned. Um, And the other reason why is because you, Lee Harris, told me that that would be a good idea. Um, I think it was something along, well, we were having some conversations while I was at the studio and I think you said, I feel like it'll be really important for you to create some work around and some conversations around what you've gone through in bringing this creation to life. And that was sort of a seed that eventually emerged in what if, you know, because these songs, the songs on this particular record are so much the fruit of my going through my own creative process. And I, and a lot of the feedback I started receiving was that that's exactly what it was doing for people. It was really giving them like the codes, if you will, or the activations And supporting the alchemy that was really going to allow and support their creative expression. And so essentially what we did is we took the songs and we paired them with this sort of five-week journey and this content, which are all the like sort of key lessons that that I've gathered over the years of, you know, following my art, following my heart. And that's essentially what it is. It's a music medicine journey. So the music is a part of the content and it's a huge part of what really helps the energy and the sort of shamanic element of the experience to really unfold for people, as well as the content, which is just more, you know, distinctions and insights and teachings that can really support people in having a more enjoyable experience of following their art and bringing something into the world. So that's essentially what it is. And we launched it, we launched it shortly after the song gifting thing that you and I just spoke about. And we've done one round of it with a group of people that we went through it with, sort of beta tested it and and worked out some of the kinks. And we're probably going to be doing, most likely going to be doing another round around the time that this comes out in the beginning of 2021. Great. So that's something that I could check out at your website. Well, I'm Chris, I... I've conveniently forgotten these conversations, but I'm <laughs> always happy to know that I'm giving people jobs. I, I love I love putting people to work. It's one of my things. You're a catalyst. Um, <laughs> you are a catalyst. You're like a you're like an idea whisperer. You know, like I think you even you might have even said something to the effect of music medicine journey. Like mm. I, I, it was you know, and and it's always it's always said that we get we get divine guidance and communication through the people in our lives, the people closest True. to us. So. You are 100% that, and I'm so grateful that you planted that seed and gave me that nudge because it definitely like steered me in that direction. Oh, no, that's great. That I loved watching it happen because mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that conversation, <laughs> but I, I just loved seeing you do it. And again, one of the things I do love about social media is the fact that 
yes, there's lots of things we could say about it that are problematic, but and and specifically certain platforms, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I love seeing people's voices, you know, because if you think back 20 years ago, we didn't hear what people thought. And I know the joke might be like, I don't know if I need to hear what, what yeah. everybody thinks about this. But I think I love seeing the voices and that, that people get to share about their experience. And we do get to hear from each other um, a bit more. And in in these kinds of things that you have, like follow your art or something else that someone has a conversation or I, I, I don't know, I just love seeing that process, um, the sharing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have a, another question for you. Um, well, there's, there's two there's two more questions I had for you before we wrap up today. But firstly, I want to say on your website, you have this great um, you have this great thing on the writing pages called wordsmithery. And you break that down as the craft of weaving words together to make something magical or you've you know found that description online. And I thought that's so that's so so beautifully put that great wordsmithery weaves words together to make something magical and having been a reader of your writing um in many different forms over the years that's definitely a gift you have when did you know that you were a good writer specifically with words on the page Hmm. well i think with everything there's different stages of receiving that ability you know just like tying it into what we've been talking about so i mean i i know i i i would write probably very bad poetry when i was when i was a teenager and and at the same time i i think i was always told you know you have the gift of the gab uh and that's sort of why i gravitated towards you know a, a professional career in law before i discovered music and creativity and sort of had more of a spiritual awakening to a, a wider picture of what I wanted my life to be about. And I think in, a, in an interesting kind of way, that also that chapter in my life and, and being really in the study of how words are used and how language is used and the specificity of articulating an idea or a thought or an argument in a very specific and well-crafted way in, in the practice of law was, was an initiation for the writer in me. And then I'd say the real, the real sort of arrival moment was almost a decade ago, I started reading blogs. I was a huge fan of inspirational writing, self-help books. You know, my bookshelf is full of self-help books and personal development texts. Eckhart Tolle and and whoever else, you know, you name it. And I started just kind of seeing this culture of, of, you know, short form inspirational messages being shared in blog form. And I just thought to myself, I can do this. I feel like I can do this. And it wasn't long before I was given an opportunity, uh, connected with a guy named Mastin Kip, who had a platform uh, called The Daily Love. And we started chatting and very early on in our chats, he said, do you want to write for the, for the site? And I said, I would absolutely love to. And I think because I didn't really fancy myself a writer and I was so focused on music as my primary mode of expression that there was so little pressure, I just started letting it flow. And it was just like really off the cuff from the heart, you know, I'd have a week to write something and, you know, 
I just, you know, fish for an idea in my experience and then just like pour my heart out on the page. And people were really receptive to that style of writing and that just like the heartfelt energy that they could really receive in my writing. And so some of my writing started receiving a lot of a lot of love and a lot of acknowledgement on these platforms. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, this is kind of like another thing that I can do. This is another way that I can share what I'm what I'm journeying through, what I'm learning. Um, and and it was really it was really there was a lot of catharsis in it for me because, you know, which again comes back to the thing that's the most healing and beneficial and fulfilling to us is usually going to have the most life in it for others to con- to consume or receive. And that's really what it, what it sort of like, what it was teaching me. Um, so that was a huge step. And then, and then there was that quote, which was kind of a funny moment. And I think it was also another moment of, of you and I conversing. Uh, we did an interview for one of your online programs for Own Your Value. Own Your Value. And you sort of highlighted my writing. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, I, I don't really think of myself in that way as much as maybe I ought to. Um, so, you know, sometimes we need these things to be reflected back to us. But I'd say since then, I've, I've been really kind of owning it. And, and it's opened up some opportunities for me to write um, about other people's work, other, mus- other, other musicians and artists and, and inspirational people that I have the privilege to know and to just shine a spotlight on. And in those, in those you know, I, I really take it as an opportunity to create art. So in those particular pieces, it really feels like wordsmithery to me where Mm. there's a whole process of listening to someone's music, just taking in what they're about. And then there's like this gestation and I get glimpses of sentences and it's like almost the way kind of a song arrives or parallels that. But it's like it's sort of like putting a puzzle together, you know, and and it's it is really enjoyable. Like I, I really nerd out on words. I, I really believe in the power of words. Like a word can invoke a feeling. You know, uh, words can invoke feelings, and ch- word choices can really change the energetic of a of a communication or a transmission. And you know this. I mean, that's such a huge part of of what's so powerful and potent about your work is just the word aspect of the message. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's funny. I think one of the reasons I love reading your writing is I know that for me, the words come through the voice. Like mm. for me, it's either spoken or sung or, but for, you know, the, there is something about reading a piece of writing by you or by anyone else who has that wordsmith thing, because it does feel like a magic. It's kind of like reading a piece of music. And I don't mean reading music. I mean, you read an article with the quality like yours would have and it feels musical as you're reading it there's a there's a music to it well this will make this will make my parents very happy because it it affirms my my going to law school and getting (laughs) getting that you know getting that piece of education i think has really served uh my writing so what do they think of what you do they are so supportive and they're so they're so sweet about it and and you know, our, our families are our most immediate mirrors and reflectors. And I think as I've gone on the journey of really owning and embracing what I do, the reflection is just one of pure love and support. And 
they're so proud and they're so sweet and how they, you know, how they want to share it with their friends. And of course there was, there was the, in, you know, the, the natural sense of concern and worry initially when I started going down this road and there was no precedent for that. And they just wanted to make sure that I was going to be, you know, provided for and also valued in the way that they value me. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a question of like, is that, is that going to be available if he goes down this path? But I think the more they really see how this path has served me in my, in my growth and development and also what I've created, they're super supportive and, and they've supported my artistic journey on so many levels. So mm. I'm very fortunate for that. Chris, there's been so much goodness in this conversation. And I think for anybody who is into creativity or uh, is perhaps wanting to become more creative, I think there have been so many things that you have said and shared that would have pinged in people's minds, aha moments, clarity, self-understanding. But because we're about to finish our conversation, I wonder, are there any tips or words of wisdom that you would give to somebody who has watched or listened to this show and is feeling like they've enjoyed the creative conversation and is kind of going, oh, I wish I, I, I think I need to get my creativity up and running a bit more, or maybe I need to surrender to it a bit more, or maybe I need to dive into it and see what creativity is there for me. Do you have any words of advice or wisdom for people who are feeling the pull towards deepening their creative life. Mm. What comes to me immediately is just to, and I think it's been, it's been, you know, the writing has been on the wall of this conversation. I think it's been woven throughout everything that we've been talking about. I think there's this notion that, you know, creative expression or any particular art form is for the select few. And that, you know, there's this distinction of like capital A artists. Mm. And, and I really, truly believe that there is an artist within everyone and that it is our birthright to discover what that artistry and that expression and that gift to the world is and will be. And I think the thing that perhaps isn't as obvious to some people when they, when they contemplate that exploration is the realization that going on a creative journey is a healing journey. So it's an opportunity to meet ourselves and to really take a journey towards the embodiment of the inherent wholeness that we all have and are at a soul level. And so if for no other reason than that, I would say if you feel called to explore that through the lens of creative expression, then absolutely 100% do it. Because that's essentially why I've dedicated my life and chosen this path to creative expression and artistry, because it really revealed itself as the quickest way, the most exciting and rich and colorful way, and the way that just called to me most that I wanted to navigate my healing journey and my journey home to my own wholeness. And I've seen that countless times with, you know, the people that I work with, the people that do follow, did follow your art, the other artists that I'm in conversation with, 
that we're all going on that healing journey one way or another. And what better way to do it than to bring some beauty into the world, to use our, ver- our voices, which are God-given instruments, to express our uniqueness and to just, you know, add to the tapestry of life with that unique flavor of expression that only us, each of us, can offer while healing ourselves in the process. Like, what, what better way would there be than that? I can't think of any. So that's sort of my, my invitation and, and the last thing that, you know, really feels like uh, an exclamation point on what, everything that we've been saying. And totally. it's a journey. Totally beautiful. Love you, brother. Thank you so much for being here on the planet. And thank you so much for being here on the show. Oh, love you too, man. So much. So grateful for you. So grateful for our friendship and this brotherhood and the work that you're doing in the world, which has been so instrumental on my journey. And it really is just such an honor to be a part of this and to be able to have this conversation with you and to really just amplify these messages at this time. It feels really relevant and timely. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that always keeps me going as a creative and someone who puts things out into the world, and I share this with anyone who's hesitating, is like, just think of all the books, music albums, theater pieces, uh, instruction manuals that other people have created that have enhanced your life. It's like Mm -hmm. it took someone doing it. You know, it took someone. I'm so grateful to so many people um, that it's lovely to them be as I often call it, contributing to that wheel, that wheel of art, that wheel of healing that we all take from. We all take Mm. someone's product, someone's creation, someone's idea, and it enhances our life. So I highly recommend to anybody who's watched or listened to the show, if you haven't yet heard Chris's music, do go and check out his newest album, which is called Lion. It's gorgeous, and it's now available wherever you can find music. But as usual, we'll put all of the links to... Chris's work and his website, chrisassad.com, in the show notes. You can also find at Chris's website his Follow Your Art course, his mentoring, which includes voice alchemy mentoring sessions and many other good things. So thank you for being with us today. Thank you for tuning in. Big love, Chris, and take care, everybody. Big love. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Rebirth has been an annual transformation program that I and my team offer every January for the last four years. This year, Rebirth 2021 will be quite different to prior years because 2020 was very different to prior years in general as a whole for all of us. So a couple of things came to me for Rebirth 2021. I wanted to deliver all of the modules live prior years we have done a lot of pre-recorded material but this year everything will be delivered live and then there will be full replays available within 24 hours of the live broadcast. My guides the Z's are going to be a huge part of this year's rebirth. We held transmissions in August and it was an incredible experience and it was allowing my guides to bring through the next level of information and one of the themes that they have talked about for 2021 and beyond is us becoming more creators of our lives. They're talking about how we create our lives every day through our energy and also how we can take different actions to 
animate our sense of purpose, our sense of connection to life, but also the life and the world that we're creating right now and how important that is in the years to come. So Rebirth 2021 will have that focus as its main theme, next level creation. And then across each broadcast, we're going to look at creating from a metaphysical and a grounded standpoint. Stephen Washington will again be bringing his work to Rebirth. So there will be a module called Activating Your Creative Body. And as soon as you sign up, you will receive the channeled audio MP3 and sound healing, which is called Creating Through Chaos and Being Here for Love. We can't wait to get started with you. The program begins on January 19th and you will have lifetime access to the material once we have finished on January 29th. So if you're looking for a rebirth or to up-level your way of creating in your life, we would love to have you join us for Rebirth 2021. You can visit rebirth2021.com or my website leeharrisenergy.com for all the details.